Hello and welcome to a Thursday, December 15th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. As always, I'm your host, Haris Kermani, and I'm joined by my guy, the ever-reliable Kenny Taylor, to come on and take down this four-game slate that we've got going here. Kenny, how's your day been going? How are things? Uh, man, it's been um, going pretty well on the prop side of things. Um, when it comes to DFS, not too well for me today. Um, seemed like my studs didn't really um, ball out the way I was thinking. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, some of my props have been going all right. And I kind of, uh, from a DFS perspective, I expected Fultz to kind of make a comeback for me. So I'm glad he's having a pretty good game here and getting some minutes. But yeah, I'll probably end up somewhere middling, uh, maybe a small win for the for the night. But that will hopefully change on the uh, on the four game slate coming up because I I am liking some of these uh, some of these mid tiers and I know we're going to get right into it. But with the first game of the night, the Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, now some of these games don't have a total just as of yet, just given a number of these questionable side of things. But we do know from the Milwaukee side that Drew Holiday has already been ruled out, which of course will bring in. Our all-resident favorite, Javon Carter, even though he, of course, did not do much in the last game. We'll talk about whether that's going to be of interest. But honestly, between Javon Carter and Bobby Portis are probably my two kind of major looks in as far as the Milwaukee Bucks are concerned. Uh, Bobby Portis himself has great splits up against Memphis. He's uh, been averaging a double-double consistently for the last two years. And we've seen in the games that Drew Holiday goes out that he takes on that extra scoring role uh, put up 15 shots in that last game against the uh, Golden State Warriors earlier on uh, in the month when Drew was out too against Charlotte. He got 18 shots up in that game and you'll usually find that that goes up <clears throat> with the rest of the rebound. So for a guy that's sitting at uh, that low 6,000 range, 6,200, definitely one that I'm slotting in. But uh, what about yourself, Kenny? How, uh, how are you thinking about Giannis tonight? Um, you know, you could never go wrong with Giannis, but as always, Tw- almost what 12,500 for him on tomorrow's slate. Yeah. He's a little pricey. Um, so if you really feel like you can go stars and scrubs on this, yes, you can play them, but I feel like you might want to pivot more towards like a Chris Middleton and Grayson Allen, just focus on the shooters on Milwaukee in this matchup, since both players should get about 10 plus shots. With Middleton getting around 15 plus shots this game, with Holiday being out, and Allen should have an extra row with Holiday being out as well. Yeah, completely fair. I mean, we're seeing Chris uh, start to roll kind of back into his uh, his regular minutes rotation, getting into that kind of 30 minutes pretty consistently now, and uh, as kind of the rhythm comes back, his field goal percentage is starting to trend the right way as well. So I I definitely am. With you on that, 6,800 isn't a bad spot at all for him to be in a matchup that should hopefully be a pretty fast-paced one, especially given that Jaw is going to be back for this one as normal, uh, 10,400 at this point, which uh, is a, a bit on the pricey side. That being said, it is actually a pretty decent discount over what we've been seeing for the uh, the vast majority of this month, where he got somewhere up to 10,900, 10,800. So, you know, other than the uh, the two games that he had against OKC in Detroit, where he beat out that value. Obviously, the price has been dropping down a little bit. But really, as far as <clears throat> Memphis is concerned, I'm not really super excited to be able to kind of jump on on any of these. Everyone kind of seems pretty fairly priced to me. Uh, we saw Brandon Clark get a pretty uh, pretty decent shot in the last game, and but he's seen himself get a price bump up to 5,000 as well, which has kind of pushed him outside of my 
comfort zone of where I want to take them. But uh, what about you? Any Memphis guys that you're interested in in this? Um, when it comes to the Memphis side, there's always going to be a little bit of exposure for me when it comes to Jaron Jackson. His block rate just been crazy uh, to start the season. I think last game he almost had 10 blocks against um, who they play against against Atlanta. But outside of Jackson, the only other player I might have some exposure to on the Milwaukee side is Clark. Brandon Clark, he's always going to be a dart throw that I like having, especially if he's 5,000 or less. He's always going to have like an inconsistent game because you never know if he's actually going to find a shot. Plus, you also never going to know if he's going to get more than four field goals in a game. But he also gives you a couple steals, a couple blocks, might give you about five, seven rebounds in a game. So for 5,000, you could probably get him in for about 20 to 30 draft king points in this matchup. Yeah, that's fair. My only ever concern with Clark is always just the consistent minutes that he's going to get because he's always between 20 to 24, and then he'll get the odd game where he jumps up closer to that 28-30 uh, mark, which is obviously excellent. As you said, he's a bit of a jack-of-all-trades there, so not a bad shout on there. Speaking of uh, not being a bad shout, moving on to the uh, Miami and Houston game over here, we've got a, uh, a couple of opportunities, in my opinion, especially on the on the Houston side that is giving me a little bit of interest on here. Uh, first of all, Jalen Green, I'm just going to throw that out there. I think 6600 is way too cheap for a guy that's on a heater as far as his uh, DFS performances are concerned. Two straight games now, north of uh, 40 DK points and 26 or more real points as well. So he's starting to really round out there. And uh, in that Phoenix game where... They absolutely just blew the doors off of Phoenix on uh, on a pretty surprising game. I actually made some decent uh, decent money on that one because I actually uh, jumped on them at uh, at the end of the first quarter where it was looking good. But plain and simple, Jalen Green is on a heater. Six six hundred is a discount actually over what it was in the last two games where he was sitting north of seven thousand. So definitely a guy I have a pretty strong eye on and finding myself having pretty big exposure on just from the uh, early kind of lineups that I've been putting together. Uh, beyond that, <clears throat> I still do believe in uh, in Jabari Smith. It's just one of those guys that I just like the way that it's uh, starting to round out for him as far as his uh, his fantasy season is concerned. Uh, he's up to 5,500 now, and he's been a pretty consistent kind of mid, like high 20s going into that low 30s mark now. His minutes are pretty much always at about that 30-minute mark there. And really, it's all about if he can get a few more field goal attempts on the night. Uh, on the previous game, he was able to get 26.5 in that blowout win over there but only had five field goal attempts even though he hit all three of the threes that he attempted so uh, a lot of upside in my mind from what he has and of course Houston just has all the uh, incentive to be able to keep developing him but those are probably gonna be my main exposures I don't especially uh, like any of the Miami options there just given uh, given the price tags but this is likely going to be one of the higher scoring matches of the two probably the pelicans and jazz is going to be the highest but uh, how's your exposure looking like in this game um with this game i really don't have too much exposure especially with Jalen green i know he has kind of been on a heater as of late but if you look at his past five games he's shooting about six for 28 for the three-pointer and in two or three of those games, I want to say he got to the line multiple times to get up these 30 actual points. Um, going up against Miami, I'm not sure if the spread is out for this game or not. I feel like this will be even a lower spread since Houston is a faster-paced team. Miami isn't. 
So in this type of matchup, I feel like having exposure to maybe a hmm, Martin or Eason might be a little bit better, get you also a little different in the field. Since the type of roles that they play, it really don't matter about the pace of the game. They're still going to be able to get you the rebounds, and they're still going to get you about four shot attempts while they are on the floor each game. Um, outside of that, on the Miami side, I do have interest in one player, depending on if he plays or not, but that would actually be Matt Struess. I know he hasn't really been on the best streak lately but i feel like a game against houston is a great opportunity for him to get back on track yeah absolutely i mean we've seen it from the previous year i'll have to go back and pull the exact ones but houston was definitely the most generous when it came to uh the perimeter guards i believe only charlotte gave up more threes uh per game to the guards that were out there so definitely an opportunity for him to be able to get hot from the outside and yeah, I, I like that uh, shout on there. Hopefully, a game to get him back on uh, back on track for me, even on a season long level, because I was pretty close to dropping him out there. But let's see how that goes. <laughs> as far as the game that I personally have the most interest in on the night, and it's actually a rematch of uh, what we just had a couple of nights ago. Completely surprising blowout on there, but the New Orleans Pelicans go up once again against the Utah Jazz. This one we do have a total for, a 231.5 is what we are looking at at the moment, with the Pelicans favored to win by two, so clearly the betters think that they're out for some revenge on this game. And honestly, given the fact that the last game was a blowout, it was actually still a pretty decent night for the uh, kind of main guys on the Pelicans that I did end up having exposure to, whether that be uh, <clears throat> uh, Zion, who you know didn't completely get onto uh, onto his value there, but uh, still 46.75 DK points in just 26 minutes that he did play. I expect this game will not go the way that the last one did. It was just kind of a, a scenario where it just got out of hand in, in about that third, that third quarter area where the Pelicans just yeah, totally just took the foot off the gas. I was watching it just looked, it was a really odd game, but regardless, I expect the Pelicans to keep this one quite a bit closer, which gives me that interest, not only in Zion, but also my continued love for Larry Nance Jr. on this uh, Pelicans team. Uh, much as you were talking about what Brandon Clark can uh, potentially do for the uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies, Larry Nance is very much in that same kind of mold. He's jack of all trades. He's always able to uh, get you his numbers in a multitude of different ways, whether it be those stocks. He's always going to be able to rack up uh, at least a blocker of steel in most of the games that he's up there, alongside the fact that as long as he's playing those high 20s as far as minutes are concerned, which have been pretty uh, consistent now outside of you know a complete blowout game i do like the fact that him at 4700 gives me uh, a pretty solid floor as far as i'm concerned and he's got the uh, and he's got the upside to uh, be able to get to somewhere near 30 dk points on a decent night so those are the two areas of exposure uh the other kind of dark throw is always my night with cj mccollum i feel like i'm uh, going like 50% on the times that I do pick CJ McCollum. It's just one of those where I always expect him to be able to get his shot back to normal. And he clearly did against the Phoenix game, which a much tougher defense put up 13 of 24 in that game and ended up on 49 DK points. So I'm like, all right, great. That Utah matchup, which actually is a pretty solid one as far as uh, the perimeter guarding is concerned. But then he goes up and throws a six for 17 dud. So not uh, not super excited uh, from that perspective, but I still think at 7,200, he's got a lot of upside. Uh, what about you? 
Yeah, this is actually uh, my favorite matchup on the slate, and I'm probably going to do a, a couple lineups with um, two two stacks from this game. Um, when it comes to my favorite players on the slate, it really just depends on how I feel the game script is going to go. Since Valentunas on paper looks like a strong play, but kind of like McCollum, you never know which Valentunas you're going to get. Um, he might get you four fails in the first quarter, or he might actually get you about 24 fantasy points in the f- first half. Um, you never know with him. But I feel like taking one of the New Orleans bigs and one of the Jazz's guards would probably be a nice little way to start any of your builds. And when it comes to the Jazz guard, I'm actually going to fade Clarkson in most of my lineups. And actually look more towards Conley. Um, I really had bad reads on Conley for the majority of this year. But I feel like in this type of matchup, having that experienced guard on the floor should be able to allow for less turnovers, competitive matchup, and... um, actually will give him a chance to shine and actually get a couple about mm, eight, 12 field goal attempts this game, probably take a couple away from Clarkson. Exactly. I mean, Conley, first of all, is coming off a, what was a nine game stretch where he missed due to his uh, lower body injury. Um, he doesn't have a, a minutes limit or anything in play, but he's clearly still finding himself getting back uh, into rhythm. It's not a bad matchup for him to be able to get back on that. That being said, from the from the Jazz side, I was actually finding myself kind of going towards the uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker side because I just think they need that instant offense that uh, he can potentially offer the Jazz. If Clarkson is not going off, do really find themselves in a bit of struggle where uh, Markkinen isn't really the kind of guy who can really create for himself off the dribble. He needs that little bit of help to be able to come on the other side. And really, they are heavily dependent on Clarkson. And I think uh, Alexander Walker is really showing why he's going to be super important for uh, for the Jazz team, really needing someone to be able to create off the dribble. And obviously, he's uh, got two strong games coming through. In the last one, even just 25 minutes in that last Pelicans game, probably had his uh, best game of the season, really, as far as kind of overall efficiency and just uh, how we looked on the floor. I expect that uh, we'll stay somewhere around there. So uh, if I'm looking at the Jazz guards, I'm probably finding myself going a little bit more towards uh, towards Nikhil. There's 4,900, a very solid floor. You've got uh, the ceiling if he can get his... Um, is what is usually shaky field goal percentage going, but that's probably going to be the uh, the major guy that I'm looking at as far as the Utah Jazz are concerned. <clears throat> Moving on to the last game of this night, the late night hammer, the Phoenix Suns taking on Kenny's LA Clippers, coming off a, uh, a Phoenix Suns game where they absolutely got the doors, as I said, uh, blown off them on there. The Pelicans game was not a good one for them. And Devin Booker, who is questionable for this game, we're going to have to keep an eye out for whether um, he's going to be able to actually make it out. Has now missed two games straight with a um, with his bad uh, with his bad hamstring. The first thing that I was looking at when I was looking through the slate is what is Chris Paul going to be priced at? Because that last game, I think I had him in every single lineup. That 6,200 price tag was ridiculous to me. I didn't, I didn't understand it just given how uh, things are working out and he dropped 39 DK points on there, but it's clear that uh, there's been a pretty strong correction. He's moved all the way up to 8,200 here, which 
I don't, I don't know what this is. This is a, a revenge match premium, but he's just gotten out of uh, out of what I would consider to be a, a good price tag. But the DeAndre Ayton side of things is going to be where a little bit of interest comes in because he left the previous game with an early ankle injury. And apologies to you know anyone who uh, listened to my last podcast. He was my player picture guy. It seems like I have a curse as far as those things are concerned. I think it's had two game or two different slates now in which the guy I've picked as the picture that's going to go on the R Sports Ethos site for it, whether it be DeAndre Eaton or whether it be Anthony Davis prior to that, they just seem to find a way to get themselves hurt in the first like 10 minutes of them playing. So maybe that might be an area of avoidance. But if DeAndre Eaton is out, Bismack Biombo at 3,600 and Dario Saric at 3,300, both become guys that I have a keen eye on. One, I want to know who they're going to end up deciding to start between the two. They might even decide to start Jack, uh, Jock Lawndale, but I just find that uh, I usually like the uh, the Saric slash most likely the Biombo side instead as far as my uh, exposure to the front court of the Phoenix side are concerned. And I'll start with you on uh, on the remainder of the Phoenix, and then you can tell me a little bit about uh, what your Clippers are going to be looking like on this game. <laughs> yeah, but with Biombo, that would probably be my favorite play if um, Aiden does sit for the ankle injury. Um, another player that I feel like needs to have a comeback game is actually Mikel Bridges. I forgot his exact field goal percent last game, but I think he shot, what, one for 12 on three-pointers and finished the game four for 25. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I I really do feel like um, if Aiden's out and Booker is out, I feel like he should have a great opportunity to get you 25 actual points and probably about 35 to 45 DK points against my Clippers because we are a turnover prone sometimes. Fair. Um, outside of that, the only other Phoenix player I might have a little bit of exposure to is actually Damian Lee. Um, kind of like my dart throw for that team, a little bit more expensive than I like my dart throws to be. Typically like to keep them 3-8 or under. But at four, a little bit over 4,000. He should have actually a good opportunity if he able to find his shot in this upcoming game. So moving on to the Clippers, there's actually two players on our team I feel like are in a great spot. Um, if Aiden plays or even if he don't play, I actually do like Marcus Morris as my favorite forward for the team to actually have a nice little game um typically you can kind of tell when morris is actually in a nice little double double spot and if you want to go with a little revenge factor um he played for phoenix for a few years with his brother um outside of that the last player that i'm probably gonna be inserting into my lineup is actually luke Kennard. Um, I really do feel like whenever Luke goes against Phoenix, he actually bound to get about four to five three-pointers in that game. I don't know. For some odd reason, he just loved playing this team. Um, outside of that, he has been seeing a little bit more minutes, especially with Quiet was getting a few more minutes as well, because when him, Quiet, and Paul George are on the floor, he's actually a pretty effective shooter, and his usage is actually a little bit higher than more people would think even though he's just a catch-and-shoot player. 
Yeah, no, that's completely fair. I think it's just one of those where so much gravity is being generated by uh, both Kawhi and Paul George that you just get your shooters free in the corners, free at the top of the break to be able to kind of take advantage of that. Uh, I'm right there with you with the Marcus Morris. Plain and simple, I think he is just... Again, one of those guys that they need the offense to come through for him to take a little bit of pressure off from the uh, from the two. And <clears throat> as much as I've avoided it this entire season, I might actually find myself taking a decent amount of Kawhi at 7,300 in this game. It's uh, one of those where I've been kind of like keeping a strong eye on how Kawhi is looking from game to game out. And I'm like, give me, give me one game where he actually looks like he's in good rhythm. And that Boston game he did. Right. Apart from the fact that he shot 10 of 12 in general from the field, which obviously looks great on paper as well, it was just, to me, quite noticeable that he looked more comfortable just running up and down the floor. He was getting his first step going, and I'm sure you could talk a little bit more about this in general, but first time he hit 25 points in the season, and just altogether just looked in a point where I'm like, all right, this might be uh, a turning point as far as Kawhi's hopeful health is concerned for the season, and I'm willing to uh, take a shot at someone who has... You know, stud capacity to be able to get uh, 40 plus DK points pretty comfortably, especially in a matchup that uh, if uh, Kawhi's going well, they're playing at home, likely is going to be a high scoring, you know, high pace and just altogether fun close encounter. I expect that uh, he should hopefully be able to uh, kind of replicate a little bit of that performance that he was having against Boston coming into it. But that gives us to the end of our four-game slate over here. As I said, lots of potential value options over here. Lots of uh, you know, mid-tier guys that really is going to be an exciting one for us to be able to look at. And just to be able to end it off altogether, we go right over to our Thrive Fantasy side over here where there are a number of... Uh, number of pretty juicy options that I'm seeing over here. So uh, I'm going to start with you, Kenny. I'll be the uh, gentleman on this side. What are you liking from the Thrive Fantasy side as far as your props are concerned? Uh, when it comes to Thrive, there's actually um, two props that actually caught my eye. Um, the first one was actually Conley, assist prop for 7.5. Like I suggested earlier, he's actually one of my favorite plays on tomorrow's slate. And I feel like if he gets it going, he should be able to get the offense going pretty well. And 7.5 assists seems like something that he should be able to go over. Um, and my second prop, I kind of mentioned it earlier as well, is actually um, under um, 29.5 total point rebounds and assists for Jalen Green. Because like I said, I really don't see this being a high total game and I really don't see Jalen Green improving on his shooting percentages and if his shots not falling you really need to rely on him getting to the line and I don't really see him getting to the line against Miami yeah no that's completely fair I I may actually uh, challenge you on this and be see how, how it actually works out because I was going to say I do think Jalen Green will be able to go over on it regardless of his uh, shot efficiency, which has always kind of been an off and on thing. The volume is going to be there for him and we'll have to see what the pace ends up looking like. But in the last couple of games, uh, Houston has been pretty uh, comfortably pulling the over on a lot of these uh, totals that has been going. So perhaps they can force Miami to play a little bit more of their pace at home. We'll have to go about and see. But the over on that is 105 points. So that's going to be uh, something I'll, I actually am getting in a couple of props there. So let's see how that goes. Uh, the other one, and kind of just mentioned it before and going along with it, uh, CJ McCollum. I just think that it's one of those uh, things where you know that CJ is uh, kind of a a fire starter if you can go ahead and get going. Otherwise, he can always <laughs> throw you off when it's not. But I do believe that that 
matchup is a good one for him overall. Uh, don't want to read too much again into the blowout that happened last time, but still 24 and a half points uh, and assists combined over that to get you a hundred points. Sounds like a pretty juicy proposition to me. He almost got there in just uh, a terrible shooting night in the previous game as well. So uh, one that I do see myself uh, taking a decent amount of uh, exposure on on this prop side. But that altogether brings us to the end of this short and sweet slate. As always, you can catch me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil, where we can discuss just how your props and your lineups are looking. Again, love those DMs. Keep them coming. And always want to point out that that sports ethos DFS pass is where you need to be at. So if you haven't got yourself subscribed on yet, go to sportsethos.com, get yourself the DFS pass, get yourself the access to the live injury report, access to our Discord where you can ask the pros, and access to all of the DFS delivery that our wonderful team puts together. Yeah, it's all about the time spent, the amount of detail that we need to go into to do the research in what has been a pretty up and down fantasy season. So you want to kind of keep yourself in the know, get yourself signed up. And Kenny, why don't you tell the good people where they can find you? Yeah, as always, you can find me on Twitter at OrangeDFS. And I'm always down to talk about any levels of basketball from NCAA, NBL, Euro League, Euro Cup, NBA. I'm always there to talk basketball. Yeah, I may have to pick your uh, pick your brain on some of that, something like that. Zero idea about EuroLeague, and I have a couple of friends who uh, make a pretty decent amount of money on uh, just uh, betting on a number of those money lines where they said there's just a lot of juice. So maybe uh, one day we'll sit down, and for those who haven't, get on with him and uh, speak with Kenny about it as well. Lots of uh, lots of opportunities where people aren't looking. But that brings us to the end of this uh, of this podcast today. Let's go out there, let's kill some lineups, take down some tournaments, and get yourself on to sportsethos.com with that DFS pass to always stay in the know. But we'll see you on the next one. Take care. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.